AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades. Say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is Kelly Henderson, and you are listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I have talked openly about the battle that I have with anxiety. Mine often comes in the form of uncontrollable insomnia or sometimes even panic attacks. I think right now of any time during this coronavirus pandemic, there are many people facing their battles with anxiety at even higher rates. So this week, I wanted to get some help and tools for all of us around the topic of anxiety. My guest is licensed professional counselor and author of the book, Conquer Anxiety in 10 Weeks, Jesse Jensen. Jesse and I talked through the different types of anxiety and why many women specifically are facing tons of anxiety in today's society. Jesse also broke down some different tools and fixes for facing your anxiety head on and how to keep these practices in place in tough times like we are all facing right now. Now, here's our conversation. So I think it's pretty common to hear people today talking about anxiety. It seems just like a common topic. Do you think anxiety is actually more prevalent today or is it just talked about more openly than it was in the past? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think anyone has a, a great answer with that. Um, I think that absolutely people are being more open about it and talking about it a lot more. Um, so that definitely could impact that. But also there's a lot more things going on in our lives today that maybe there wasn't in the past that could be contributing to more anxiety. So it's hard to say for sure, but um, I think there could be a little bit of both kind of happening there. Do you mean that we're just so over, or just so spread thin and we have so much more pressure than maybe they did in the past? It does seem like people back in the day lived a much simpler life, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It sounds nice sometimes. Right. (laughs) I guess yeah, we're kind I, I, of getting a taste of that right now in this isolation period. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting that even the isolation is causing a lot of anxiety to um, increase. But yeah. yeah, I think we are being pulled in so many directions nowadays, it seems like. Um, so 
I think that that has a lot to do with our anxiety. I mean, we have pressures on us all over. Um, so you're, you know, many of us are maybe mothers and working. And so you're trying to balance how, how am I being a good mom and being attentive to my kids, but I still have this full-time job and I need to make enough money to also support this family. And we have all these different roles that we're playing right now. So absolutely, I would say that we're spread a little bit more thin than, or yeah, than maybe we used to be. This is a long paragraph from your book, but I loved what you said about anxiety and women in today's society. This is what your book addresses specifically, but I thought this was so spot on. I have to read it. It says women should really be described as today's modern superheroes because they continue to have more and more expectation in their life. Women are, quote, supposed to be skinny, have flawless skin, have long, thick hair, be sexy, yet classy, and have all the best clothes and accessories. Women are also supposed to work full time, be excellent in their careers, make enough money to support a family all while fighting against their gendered stereotypes. Women are supposed to continue to be the primary caretaker for their children and make sure they are using all the safe products, all the safe foods, and the correct amount of discipline. Women are supposed to be the primary caretaker of the home and make sure it always looks like people don't actually live there, that it's supposed to that it's the most up-to-date and stylish decor and that the best homemade food is always cooking. Women are also supposed to be the part, the best partners by always being attentive, wanting to have sex at least once a week and be able to ask for help without being naggy. Women are also supposed to find time for themselves by taking long, hot baths, socializing with their friends, exercising a minimum of three weeks, three days a week, reading and maintaining their health. And we wonder why anxiety is affecting so many women. When I read right. that, I was like, right. Yes, what it's are we so thinking? true. <laughs> right. And so, you know, a lot of the book comes like from my own experiences, right? So these are, of course, things that I feel. Right. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting, I think, how so many women can also relate to this paragraph. Like, this is women everywhere right that now. That summed so. it up. I think that really summed it up for me specifically. And I, you know, the thing that I think is so interesting is we don't even think about that. We don't talk about that. We just do that and then wonder why we're so stressed mm -hmm. out all the time and have so much anxiety and can't sleep at night. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, many women don't even realize that what they're struggling with is actually an anxiety disorder. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned that you came to a lot of these conclusions because of your own journey with anxiety. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, absolutely. One of the reasons that in my professional life, I guess that I like working with women um, and anxiety so much is just because I've experienced anxiety since I can remember. I mean, like a little girl. Um, I remember like laying in the top bunk with my sister and, you know, asking her if the house was going to burn down. Um, thinking that, you know, someone was going to kidnap me or whatever that was. I remember having stomach aches a lot and we didn't really know why. Um, so a lot of anxiety even as a kid, but at that time we didn't really realize like, you know, this was anxiety. It was just like normal. This is just how Jesse is. Right. right. So, uh, you know, so we didn't really pick up on that until much later in my life when I was in college and started learning more about psychology and anxiety. And then even more specifically when I got into like my master's program. Um, those programs are the best because you learn a ton, but you're also required to do like a ton of self-reflection. It's like your own kind of therapy. <laughs> so I think I learned a lot about 
obviously anxiety and how to treat it, but also how does this actually affect my life and what does it look like for me? Right. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. There's worries that are different, you know, every day. It's not like there's one specific worry all the time. It seems normal that I'm a little bit older and have kids. I would say a lot of my worries tend to be around my kids, um, making sure they're okay and, you know, bad things are going to happen. So that's where my anxiety has kind of, I think, evolved. But at this point in my life, it doesn't get in the way of me doing my everyday things. I'm able to manage my anxiety in a pretty healthy way at this point. So that's a benefit that I've learned kind of through my schooling and working with it so much. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you did school and you are a therapist. And so you would think that you would be the one saying, no, you need to go to therapy every week and you need to be doing this. But actually in this book, you, you mentioned that you really want to give people the tools so that they can take that into their real life. And they're not just having to sit in a therapy session every week without making any sort of strides towards relief from this anxiety. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I do, you know, I counsel people four days a week. And I would say a majority of these people that I'm doing therapy with have anxiety. And I think going to see a counselor is a great, great thing and can have so many benefits. But the reality is just like what we were talking about women in today's society. The reality is, is that we don't all have the time, money or resources to get in to see our therapist. Right. right. So I really wanted to create something where women who weren't having that experience could still have a relatable way and an easy way to kind of get treatment and help as many women as I possibly could. So, so the book is called conquer anxiety in 10 weeks. It's a guidebook for overwhelmed women who dare to be fearless, which I love that statement. Can you give (laughs) us a summary of what this book is? Yeah. So the book kind of is broken up into sections. Um, When I was thinking about this book and wanting to write it, um, I wanted it to be um, as close to what I could do in therapy, like book version of that, right? So I broke it up into sections week by week. So the beginning of the book just talks a lot about education, about what anxiety is and where that comes from and how it affects women today. But then it goes through and talks about 10 different weeks that each week you're learning a new skill. And at the end of that chapter, you have an activity that you're supposed to be practicing for that week. Um, And so the book is meant to be read in chronological order. So not to be like skipping around. Um, And it's also meant for you to take your time. So sometimes you might grasp a week like sooner or it's easier for you than maybe a different week, but I still don't want you to jump ahead. You're still just taking that full week to really understand that skill so that you can Mm -hmm. apply it to your life without needing the book. That makes total sense. And I I told you this before we started this podcast, but I don't want to go through all the details of the books because, because I just think it's a great read that for anyone who's struggling with anxiety to just go out and get it. But I do want to touch on some of what you just mentioned and kind of just why this method works. So let's just talk through like the first chapter, for instance, is about educating yourself about anxiety, which I, I think I am a person who I like to read about this stuff a lot. So I just would have thought that was normal, but do a lot of people not even really understand what anxiety is? Yeah. 
Yes. Um, there are plenty of people that I'm seeing in my office um, that, like, to me, they're describing, like, exactly what an anxiety disorder might look like, and they have mm-hmm. no idea that that's what they're experiencing. Um And also there are, you know, there's a lot of different types of anxiety disorders. But the other thing that I see too is that people will come in and they'll, they'll be almost scared to tell me stuff because they think that I'm going to think, you know, they're quote unquote crazy or that I'm going to have to admit them to a hospital or I'm going to say that they're not fit to have their kids. And then it's like the more we start talking about these things, they're like, oh my gosh, Jesse, this is normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is anxiety and, you know, maybe specific anxiety disorders or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of people that don't even realize that what they're struggling with is actually anxiety. Well, you mentioned two main um, anxiety disorders in the book, right? Can you talk through those? Yeah. So this, so why I specify in this book that there's these two anxiety disorders, generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder is because there are more um, appropriate um, treatment methods for say things like OCD or trauma, like PTSD related things. Okay. Um, so this book is really real geared more towards the generalized anxiety and the socialized anxiety disorder. <clears throat> so if you want, I can go through and just kind of talk to you a little bit about, you know, as a clinician, what do we look for when we're diagnosing these things? Yeah, I think that would be helpful because I'm sure a lot of people listening might be like the people who walk into your office and they have all these symptoms, but they just don't understand that that is a normal thing. And that's just anxiety. Right. Yes. So um, when clinicians, you come into a clinician's office, they are looking for specific criteria that you might be talking about that would be able to kind of give you a diagnosis of an anxiety disorder. So for generalized anxiety disorder, what we're looking for is that we have excessive and uncontrollable worries about a lot of different events or areas in your life, that they may be feeling restless or on edge, maybe feeling fatigued, have difficulty concentrating experiencing irritability, muscle tension, and sleep disturbances. So it doesn't have to be all of those things, but um, if you're experiencing at least three or more of those kind of symptoms, and this is happening more often than not, you're probably struggling with an anxiety disorder. So I thought that was interesting, the part about... um not being able to concentrate because mm-hmm. I think in some cases I, I associate my anxiety. I mean, I've dealt with anxiety for most of my life as well, but if with that like heavy heartbeat or like the panic when I can't go to sleep at night, those kind of feelings, but mm-hmm. that inability to concentrate Sometimes I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I get my work done? Or why are the, why is this taking me so long? Or why can't I remember, remember my to-do list? And what you say in the book is that can often be associated with high anxiety. Yes, it can. And can often look like other disorders, like, <clears throat> for example, like ADHD. Right, exactly. So, I get that a lot. Like, I'm struggling with ADHD and I come to find out it's probably a lot more of anxiety related things because absolutely um, lack of concentration and memory can be affected by anxiety. So interesting. Okay. So then what's the other, the other anxiety disorder you mentioned? Yep. So then the other anxiety disorder that the book mentions is a social anxiety disorder. So social anxiety disorder um, is revolved obviously more around social situations. Um, They used to call this for another name for it would be like a social phobia. 
Um, so it's when an individual is experiencing high levels of anxiety in social situations where specifically they will be exposed to like possible scrutiny by others. Okay. Um, the, the biggest fear with the social anxiety disorder is that I'm going to be viewed in a way that's going to negatively impact me or embarrass me. I'm going to say something or do something stupid or look silly or in some way be negatively um, viewed by someone and ultimately possibly rejected by these people. Do you often see them happening together or that people suffer from both disorders or is it more separate? Um, I think it could be either. Okay. Um, I don't know that I necessarily see them more together or not together, but you, they certainly can be co-occurring. Okay. Interesting. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. So once you educate yourself, you talk about the biggest key being just acceptance. And I think that's, I mean, that's the biggest key to a lot of life, right? But why is acceptance of just accepting your reality and all of, and in the current moment and all of those feelings, why is that so important? Yeah, that's a great question because I think when I start like, okay, so that's week two of the book and people are kind of like, what? Like, this is what I'm doing week two. I thought I was going to be jumping into all these things. Sure. But I really kind of argue that probably acceptance is one of the most important skills that you can learn with your anxiety. Because if we can't first accept what it is that we're struggling with and dealing with it, we can't see it clearly. Right. We tend to then be like, no, that's not anxiety or I'm fine or no, I don't need anything. Right. So if we don't first kind of accept and say, oh, I might be struggling with anxiety and, you know, I'm actually not doing OK. We don't actually start looking at the steps that we need to take in order to start managing it in a healthy way. So, so 
go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, yeah, I was just going to say, so that's why I feel like the anxiety piece or the acceptance piece is so, so important. Yeah. Why is that our nature to want to be like, no, I'm fine. Or this isn't exact. Like what, what makes acceptance so hard? I think because we have a lot of misconceptions about what acceptance means. Okay. So acceptance only means that we are seeing what's happening in this current moment and realizing that, hey, I don't have a ton of control over this right now. It just is what it is. It's neither good nor bad. But when you say that to someone, acceptance has all these negative um, terms that go with it, like you're giving up or you're weak or what you're experiencing is okay or maybe what someone did to you was okay. So we have maybe these negative connotations to that word acceptance that it means if I accept this, then there's something wrong with me. Right. When in reality, what you say in the book is acceptance means accepting reality in the current moment. That's it. Just as is, this is what's happening. You don't have to like it, but this is what's happening. Exactly. I think that's such a big part of our society that, I mean, I do this. I'm very guilty of this too, but we don't want life to be painful. Right. So it's, it's hard. I think I I know for me, I can only speak for myself, but I want to do anything I can to avoid pain in most cases. And (laughs) and that's just not realistic because there are things that are going to happen in our life. If you're actually living life that are going to be painful and Mm -hmm. to try to wish it away, it's just really unrealistic, but that's kind of your whole point in this process. And especially the acceptance piece is that you can learn tools to help you get through those painful, inevitable moments in life. Yes, absolutely. And it makes sense because when we're being hurt or like anxiety is fear-based. So if we feel like we're in danger in some way, even if it's just perceived fear, our reaction is protection, right? right? So, and like to avoid and like, I shouldn't feel that way. So we want to kind of like avoid that. But yeah, the reality is, is that life is not meant to be pain-free and that actually a lot of experiences in life require anxiety and that anxiety Mm -hmm. is actually the very healthy response to that situation. Right. I know for me, the hard thing is, is like, if you've been through something painful, you're, or this is what I say to myself, like, haven't I had enough yet? Like, I feel like in some ways I've had, there's been situations where I'm like, yep, I'm like done with pain now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That, that actually that. produces a lot more anxiety when I'm trying to live life because it's, it's just completely unrealistic. So after you talk about the acceptance piece, you go into mindfulness. Why is this important? Like I found this chapter very, very interesting. Oh, um, I, I love mindfulness personally. Um, I think mindfulness is just a great tool and skill to learn just for our daily lives. So just practicing mindfulness once a day, even when you're not feeling anxious, just to help ground and kind of rejuvenate us is such a good thing. Um, but specifically when treating anxiety, mindfulness is so great because for one, if we can approach a situation mindfully, staying in this current moment and not projecting into the future of all these terrible things that are going to happen. But if we can stay mindfully, we can see the path and like what we need to get better through that. Okay. Um, And also like the key to mindfulness is again, that I'm purposefully staying present in the here and now with awareness on like what's going on around me and within me. So 
if you take that like definition of mindfulness, anxiety is the exact opposite of mindfulness, right? So mm. when I ask people, typically when you're experiencing anxiety, are your thoughts past, present, or future oriented, most of the time I'm getting past and future. Right. So not very often are we ever experiencing anything in this moment right now that anxiety is helpful for us. So if we can take that mindfulness and come back to the present moment and say, okay, wait, is that thing happening right now? And say, no, it's not. So I'll deal with it when I get there. So you mentioned that mindfulness can be learned and even listening to you describe it right now, I was thinking, gosh, I, I truly live so much in my head and a lot in the past and a lot in the future, like you said. So how can we learn how to be mindful? That's a good question. Um, I think mindfulness, like I said, it is absolutely a practice. So mm -hmm. it's something that when we're trying to learn, um, I mean, Truthfully, when I first started learning about mindfulness, I hated it. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I didn't understand why these people were, you know, trying to get me to do this. Um, but the reality was I wasn't understanding it correctly. Okay. So in my idea, it was that mindfulness, I needed to have a blank mind. So like almost a white piece of paper, right? But the reality is our mind doesn't really work that way. So it's not so much about having a blank mind as it is just not getting lost in our thoughts. So if a thought comes up, I acknowledge it and I'm aware of it, but I allow it to pass. Um, so mindfulness is definitely a practice, something that you should start doing just even a little bit each day. And then there are different like activities, I guess you could say, that could help you practice getting in that state of mind until you get to be maybe a little bit better where you hear people are like meditating for hours a day. Right? Yeah. I mean, meditation <laughs> is one thing I've specifically struggled with and I don't know what it is. I dread it every time I go to sit down to do it. Um, mm -hmm. I do also think I have a lot of judgment, which you talk about in the book to not have judgment on yourself. It's not about clearing your mind or, you know, anything like controlling the thoughts that are coming in, but just recognizing what is coming in and releasing it. Like you say, which is a huge practice for most people when they start to learn to meditate. Yes, absolutely. And that again, Mindfulness, one of the key components of mindfulness is approaching it with um, being non-judgmental. Okay. So that's a big thing. So like when you're sitting there and you're meditating and then all of a sudden you realize maybe for the last minute you've been thinking about all the stuff I have to do at work tomorrow. Right. Um, we don't judge ourselves and go, God, I can't even meditate. You know, I'm so terrible at this. No, we just gently bring our mind back to our awareness of like, the present current moment. Maybe that's your breath or maybe that's the feeling of your, you know, legs if you're sitting on the floor or whatever that looks like. But it's just like a gentle bringing back, trying to approach it with without judgment. Okay. Well, the next big portion of the book um, breaks down the difference between rational and ir irrational thought. And it made me think how much is of my anxiety is actually just irrational thought. So how much of our anxiety are we just making up in our head? Well, so I would say that for people that are struggling with, you know, true anxiety disorders and we're experiencing anxiety when anxiety isn't helpful. Okay. Most of those thoughts are irrational. So what do you mean when right? anxiety isn't helpful? So there are situations in life that, 
anxiety is the appropriate response and it actually allows us to be more successful. Um, for example, this is just like a basic example, but let's say, um, you know, in college or, you know, high school, whatever that is, you have a test tomorrow and you feel anxious about that. Well, having a little bit of that anxiety in that situation is probably very appropriate because if you fear that you're going to fail, you're more likely to study and do better. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So for something like that, anxiety may be appropriate. Um, now when we, are experiencing anxiety and we're worried about what so-and-so thinks about us that I'm going to see tonight, that's not helpful for me, right? Like that's not in any way making me better or making me perform better. That's irrational thought, right? That's what I would call mind reading. Okay. Well, you also, there's a part of the activity. I don't remember if it's specifically on this chapter or not, but you have a chart that kind of breaks down this is what's happening. What is the reality? Um, is that actually true? Like you, you say the yes and no's, I can't remember the exact breakdown of the chart, but that, that activity in and of itself, just asking yourself like what part of that is true? Because for me, I don't even, I think the, you know, the mindfulness, all that stuff is obviously the first steps because you have to recognize what you're feeling. But like specifically when you mentioned what someone's thinking about you, like we don't know what other people are thinking. So you have to actually ask yourself, is this actually happening or is this just happening in my head? Absolutely. Yeah. So we kind of, um, kind of talk about to, um, the different cognitive distortions that people typically engage in. And so sometimes too, if you get good at recognizing that you can label it and say, Oh, I'm totally mind reading right now. That is also another really good way to check to see if that's a rational thought, because if you know you're engaging in a cognitive distortion, it's not a rational thought. That's probably something that we need to restructure. Um, But otherwise, yeah, you're going through and you're just, you're asking yourself where, you know, these thoughts are present. Is there evidence that supports these thoughts? If there is evidence that's supporting those thoughts, then that's probably telling you that your emotional response is appropriate for that situation. If on the other hand, which is probably more likely that there's not any evidence that's supporting those thoughts, that's more than likely telling us, okay, this anxiety isn't helpful for me right now. I can restructure these thoughts or practice a different coping skill to help manage this. Okay. We've mentioned a couple of times that you have these activities at the end of each chapter and you really, you know, suggest that people put these into practice for a week at a time before they move on to the next chapter. What do you feel is beneficial about having an actual practice versus doing just weeks and weeks of, and years and years of just talk therapy? Well, I think there's, a couple, a couple things. Um, the reason that I specifically like to give an activity to be practicing for that week is for one, it creates um, some accountability, right? So like if you're supposed to be working on this thing, it's going to be something that, okay, I got to, you know, I have to focus on that today. I have to focus on that today. And that's one way that this is going to be uh, develop a routine kind of throughout your life. Um, The other thing is that we learn best by doing two ways of learning. So maybe you're reading, but then also you're writing. Yeah. So that's a really good way to learn whatever the skill is for that week. For it to really sink in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, You just mentioned that 
putting things into practice because you know, this isn't going to go away. That's the thing about anxiety. It's similar to the pain thing. Like we're, if you suffer from an anxiety disorder, the chances are you're going to feel anxiety again at some point in your life. You're not just going to get fixed if you do enough therapy or you read this book or anything like that. But it is about putting things into practice, especially when things come up and you get triggered because that's the thing, right? Like none of this is just going to go away. Right. And that's actually one of the, you know, big things that I talk about in the book and that the book does not claim to cure anxiety because we have not found a cure for anxiety right now. Um, Even the best of medication just helps us manage anxiety, doesn't actually cure it. So unfortunately, yeah, if you're a person who tends to be a little bit more anxious and struggles with anxiety, that's probably something that's going to continue to come up in different parts of your life. And we'll notice that there's some periods of time when like, oh, we're great. Um, And this anxiety is like super low. And then there's periods of our life where anxiety is really high. So yeah, that's why it's good to have these skills so that you have them, you practice them, you're good at them so that when that anxiety comes up again, you're like, okay, I got this. Right. How has your anxiety changed over the years? Well, I would say that kind of like I said, sometimes I think what I hear myself and also other people is sometimes the content changes. So obviously I'm not like worried about the house burning down anymore, things like that. Like the content has definitely Mm -hmm. changed. Um, But I would say most of the time now I'm not having long periods of anxiety anymore. Um, So there are definitely things that come up that make me feel anxious. And I get that for me, it's like a a drop in my stomach. Um, And I still experience that sometime. Unfortunately for me, I'm one of the people that if I am feeling a lot of anxiety, I also get images associated with that. So it's not just a physical feeling of anxiety. It's I see it happening. It's like a movie in my brain, right? And so that is very distressful at times, but I notice it doesn't last for very long anymore. So it peaks and then it very quickly goes away because I'm taking care of it right away. And you probably recognize it quicker. Yes. Interesting. The book is Conquer Anxiety in 10 Weeks. Jesse Jensen, thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you? So they can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Jensen Therapy. Okay. Um, and then I also have my website and where the um, book is posted is InsightCounselingServicesWI.com. Insight Counseling Services. You guys go check it out. I truly recommend this book. It's an easy read. It's very quick and the activities are super helpful. I've actually started to put some into practice myself. <laughs> so, I, so thank so you, Jesse. <laughs> yes, you're very welcome. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. And thank you guys for listening. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. 